0: Well, how are you doing? I'm doing good. It's Larry here. You're listening to The Daily Larb. This is episode number 142. And I'm a writer and an artist. And I kick most of my stuff out uh, on the podcast here. You catch the audio, of course. And articles, written content, you'll get over at com. That's where I'm at. That's where I'm writing. And uh, the podcast that you're listening to, if you don't already know it, is one for, one made for creative people, artists, writers, crafts people, people who give a shit about making good stuff, you know, that put their heart and soul into it and either make a living from it or don't, doesn't matter, although I don't know many creatives who don't like to make a few quid from what it is they make and uh or if they don't that they'd like to i think it's the i think it's the ultimate reward isn't it that someone would be willing to put their hand in their pocket and and pay you a few bob for what it is you made it's pretty cool you know that uh positive feedback um yeah it is i like it i think most of you do too and what this podcast is about you know at times i'll talk about some of the deeper stuff and uh, meaning of life and all that kind of crack but uh on a lot of occasions and i suppose more more often than not i'll talk about the importance of making our stuff for the sake of it and of course we have to get out there and we have to market it and we have to put it under the noses of people but that's secondary that comes as a consequence or should at least come as a uh Uh, the second stage of the creative process um just to create and keep them on the shelf in your room or in your studio doesn't serve anyone else and the joy of making stuff at least for me i don't know many people that say different i'm sure there are others out there who just want to make stuff and keep it private but uh i think the joy of it is getting out and showing other people and seeing the smile on their face you know or getting uh a message, on email or whatever to say that, you know, your stuff matters and uh, that feels good. But primary should be making stuff for the sake of it. And that's what I'm all about, you know. So this show goes out uh, almost daily, not necessarily daily. But if I have enough to talk about, I'll, I'll bang an episode out every day. Um, uh, but uh, you'll catch it on iTunes, Stitcher. Spreaker Radio, Spreaker, Stitcher Radio rather, uh, TuneIn, SoundCloud, Anchor, mm, did I say iTunes? Uh, so everywhere that uh, you can listen to good podcasts is uh, where you'll get the show. And today I wanted to talk to you a little bit about uh, making stuff, and in particular, coffee. Now that's first up. I also want to talk to you about Shortcuts. I mentioned it last night on Anchor. If you happen to uh, listen to my stuff on Anchor, um, I put out maybe short little little bits and pieces that uh, maybe lead up to an episode. Stuff that doesn't make it into the shows. But last night I mentioned that I wanted to talk about shortcuts and uh how ultimately they uh, don't serve you and don't serve me either. Unless, of course, you've put the time in. But first on the subject of coffee i think coffee is very important i think uh it's when you go in somewhere and you order coffee that it's their obligation to give you a damn good cup of coffee and to receive some kind of half-arsed watery uh roasting hot cup of crap is really not good enough especially considering that I don't know where you, wherever you live, what you're paying for a cup of coffee, but where I'm from, you'll pay for a takeaway coffee like a sixteen ounce, or is there a twelve ounce? I mean, it's sixteen ounce, you'll probably pay about anywhere between one fifty and one seventy, even one eighty for 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 a, for a takeaway cup, um, and some of the crappiest coffee I've ever had, have paid the most for, and that's unfortunate because really it doesn't take a whole lot to make a good cup of coffee, and if that's what you're handing out people well it's a it's a reflection of i suppose your um modus operandi with regard to what you do i mean i see it so often and it's it's such a fucking shame you know that not only with coffee coffee is just a metaphor for the uh uh, or an example for this epidemic i believe is out there amongst people who make stuff whereby it's just a case of get it out there stack them high and sell them fast right and it's just it's just fucking soulless you know i mean if you're selling widgets and you're on amazon all you're interested in is selling your stuff now you have to deliver the stuff right or if you have a corner shop and you sell stuff you want to sell you want the more you sell the more you make right and that's fine but there's got to be integrity in it you know there's got to be a a, a passion and a and a will to to deliver the stuff in a particular way that the person on the receiving end feels like this is a good deal, you know. And there's nothing worse than being shortchanged. And I walked into the butler's pantry today in Castlenock, suburb of Dublin. Somewhat affluent suburb of Dublin, Dublin, just up the road from me. I'm uh, doing a bit of a job in the area. Well, I kind of live here. I live not far from Castlenock couple of hundred yards down the road. But anyway, I walk into the butler's pantry, right? It, it, this place, it's a, it's a chain of stores. And they sell uh, uh, gourmet food and cakes and pastries and uh, breads and made-up salads and uh, 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 meats and stuff. You know, like a deli. It's like a high-profile deli. And uh, they set up in affluent areas where they can make money. And it's a clever brand. I like the brand. But, uh, they can't make coffee for shit, you know, they've got a machine there, a barista machine. And, um, today, uh, I went in and, um, they sh- they have a barista machine and they should be capable of making a good, damn, damn good cup of coffee, but they don't. So I go in and I get, I get handed out this thing half hours. Like the girl, the woman pays me no attention whatsoever. She's engaged in other things and she hands this out to me and I receive it and it's filled nearly to the top. And it's uh it's see through, you know? I can see through the fucking stuff. It's watery and and horrible and I'm looking at it and going, This is shit and I'm going, Well I hand it back to her And then I'm thinking, Maybe I won't And then I'm thinking, Right, well if I do, will she actually give a shit? And uh I thought then maybe she won't. Or whether she does or she doesn't, I'm after pain. Uh, 270 two euros and 70 cent it's about maybe 240 two pounds 40 it's maybe about in dollars i don't know what it is around about the same maybe and i'm going to myself i should get like the best fucking coffee in the (laughs) you know what i mean that represents the brand and i'm not getting it and i'm going you fucking cow you know I want better than this. So I said, right, you know what? I'm going to walk out here and I'm never going to walk in this door again. So I did. And I'm not going back. And I hope someone from Butler's Pantry is listening to this. Because you just lost a customer today. And maybe one customer doesn't really matter. The grander scheme of things. Maybe you don't care. But uh, I care, you know. If I'm going in your door I don't care whether you're the butler's pantry or somewhere else. And I'm willing to hand my money over the counter for something from you. I expect value from that exchange. And I didn't get it today. And it's not the first time. And when I go in somewhere and I buy a coffee, I generally let them away with it uh, the first couple of times. I'm like, okay, maybe I'll get it better. Now, I have got reasonably good coffee there before, but it's been inconsistent, you know. Uh, and that's the thing, you know, where you, where you receive inconsistent service or value, you tend to lose faith, you know, after a short period and go somewhere else. Now, in contrast, there's a spot down on Manor Street, which is about the same distance away in the opposite direction towards the city center from where I live. And it's called, uh, Love Supreme, tiny little coffee shop. Uh, and they actually give a shit about what they serve. Um, and they every single time, consistently i think once i got a bad coffee or a bad service just once and it wasn't even that bad but every single time bar one i've gone in there and i must have, i must have gone in there probably a hundred times or more a couple of hundred times now um i've gotten really good coffee every time and it costs 280 for a coffee in there no problem paying it you know So I really think this is important and it's important not only for fucking coffee, but it's important for people that screw screws in, that sweep the street, that do tax returns, that sell coffee, that make sandwiches, that deliver flowers, that uh, fit hardwood floors, that um, fix plumbing, all of these things. It's so important that you give a fucking shit about what you do. That doesn't mean that you don't make mistakes. That doesn't mean that you don't fuck up from time to time. But there is so much importance. At least there should be. In delivering the service. You know. Not not necessarily for somebody else. Not because you want to be praised. Or not because you want everyone to recognise you as great. But because you fucking give a shit. About what it is you're making. About what it is that you're delivering. And do you care about putting your best into it. And when you don't. That's a damn shame. Now in contrast. On the flip side, the benefit in all of this, the benefit in all of these businesses and all of these services and all of these providers doing a shitty job is it presents you and me with the opportunity to do so much better and to outshine all of these mediocre performers. And when we're making something uh, and delivering it to the world, you know, uh, that's our opportunity now artists by virtue of being an artist tend to give a shit about what they do you know but uh, in that transition from artist into business person in the moving from small scale doing it as a hobby type of thing or doing it uh, not necessarily to make money but just doing it because you love it and moving from Maybe you're quitting your day job and going and doing what it is you love. You're taking your hobby and turning it into a business. There's a challenge in that because now you're going to make a living, you know. And the danger is that you'll shortchange people on the other end of the exchange and give them a shit fucking service and a shit job because you need to make money first. And this is all about the psychology of the thing. It's all about how you see yourself and how you see the job you now do. You used to do as a hobby. And, uh, that's the big challenge, you know. But you can do both, you know. But I, th- I just think you gotta spend time, uh, understanding who you are and what it is you're making and maintain that creative integrity. Because if you lose that, well then you've lost, as far as I'm concerned. Hmm. So, that's it on that bit. I'll never be into the Butler's Pantry in Castle Nock again. Because he did a shit job, and I should say, the coffee that they sell is really good coffee, like the brand Silver Skin. It's a it's a uh, a roast that's done here in Dublin. I don't know the guy, but I know his coffee is good, and I know other people uh, rave about it. Um Dublin Industrial Estate. I must get down and buy some for myself. But uh, it's it's really poor show when uh, an associate, uh, someone who's buying the particular coffee and serving it to people doesn't represent that brand the way they should you know anyway today i wanted to move on to something else um in particular this is what i actually wanted to talk to you about today that was just uh my little rant um, stemming from my experience this morning by in buying coffee in casanac so uh what i wanted to talk to you about was uh, shortcuts and uh why shortcuts essentially um, leave us lacking and uh, leave us feeling even more empty than we were at the start when we went looking for the shortcut, you know. And I'm talking about work here and I'm talking about life in general. I'm talking about relationships. I'm talking about cutting the grass. I'm talking about washing the dishes. I'm talking about painting a wall. I'm talking about um, uh, exchanging with somebody Across a bar, I'm talking about, you know, sweeping the street. I'm I'm talking about cleaning your car, you know, anything and everything. Um, everybody seems to be, seems to me, seems to be looking for a shortcut. Uh, and what is it? What it is, What is it about human beings that, in work and in 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 uh, our duties at home and all that kind of stuff, that we continually look for shortcuts? I think. Um, in my experience and and analysis of it it appears that we are time short that we have this notion that there isn't enough time that uh happiness or contentment at least is somewhere in the future and we have to get there quick because if we don't get there quick we'll we'll remain unhappy and in that kind of frame of mind we are caught in, a, in, a, in an echo chamber almost you could say we're caught in this ever decreasing cycle downwards into anxiety and depression and uh, lack of contentment because we believe that whatever it is is not here now we don't have it, we're not enough we don't feel fulfilled and someone out there somewhere has an answer. I certainly don't have an answer. Whatever it is that's lacking in me, I don't have an answer to it. It's out there somewhere. Some bloke on the internet has it. Or some fella selling something. Or it's in that headline that you read in the newspaper. Or the, uh, the magazine sitting on the shelf in the, in the newsagent. Or it's, uh, it's, it's in that person who you believe has everything. Or your friend who has everything that you want. Like, the perfect home life and husband and kids or maybe uh, your business associate or your friend from school who seems to have succeeded and you appear to be lacking in that regard you know and um, so we go looking for the shortcut we go looking for uh, the answer outside ourselves we don't believe that we're capable and uh, we haven't got enough time so I'm, I'm currently drinking my shitty coffee what i did was actually i should say in the middle of all of this uh, i went into the newsagent and i bought one, an instant coffee tin and i spooned a bit into the coffee cup and it's okay now it's acceptable so that's what i'm supping if you hear um partial pauses in this uh, monologue well then that's why um anyway so the thing about shortcuts um I mean, they can offer an advantage, but I believe they're only for people who've served their time, you know, who have engaged in the thing, whatever it is, for a reasonably long period of time. Now, there is this notion that, uh, I forget who who came up with this idea, I should know, but I know Malcolm Gladwell jumped on it for his book, Outliers, this 10,000 hour rule, but it came before him uh, it came as a result of a uh, a paper, a psychological research paper by Ericsson, that's who it was, uh, Anders Ericsson, and uh, I should have a link to that somewhere, and Ericsson's study is groundbreaking, there's like 8,000 citations to this study um, that he conducted, I can't remember the year, I think it was around, was it around uh, the 90s, mid 90s, something like that, 95 I think, or 96, I could be wrong, but anyway, he um, basically said in this paper, now it's a long paper, and you go read it if you want, but uh, he basically says that in order to develop an expertise, you need to spend a long time in the practice dedicated uh, to the particular task. And uh, somewhere along the line, that turned into 10,000 hours. But uh, my opinion on that is that 10,000 hours only gets you to the start line. 10,000 hours, if you break it down, is a basic, basically about four years four to five years uh five days a week or six days a week um work on a job you know and um four to five years then only gets you to the start line you've only finished your apprenticeship as far as I'm concerned then the work starts you know and uh if i if I use my own uh, apprenticeship as an example um it's only recently 30 years after being in the game I'm a sparks by the way an electrician uh And I'm a damn good one, I should say. <laughs> I won't be shy about that. I am very good at it. But anyway, uh it's only after 30 years and a period of that 30 years that I actually hated the work. Um, that I realised that I had become not only an expert, but maybe a bit more than that. And uh on reflection, it appears that for the first maybe 10 years that I was just in it and doing it. Certainly for the first four or five, I was doing it for the sake of it. I had no ambition. I just, uh of course at the end of the period, you, you know, you qualify and you get your certificate and now you're, now you're a tradesman or a tradesperson, but it's only starting. I mean, you know nothing at that stage. All you know is the basic skills. You've got to develop them, you know, and you've got to develop your, your uh, relationship skills and dealing with other people and sites. And it's a great, it's a great, uh, school, you know. Apprenticeships for, for young fellows. It really is. Like I left school when I was, uh, 15, just shy of 16. And, uh, I started my apprenticeship, but I already had a couple of years under the belt by working with me all man. And, uh, that was an advantage. So I suppose I start, that was about 13 when I started. So I finished school when I was 15, almost 16, uh, qualified when I was 19, 20 managing jobs. So you can see like the earlier you start for some kids, the better. I think it's a great, I think it's a great thing. I'll be encouraging, not both my kids, my, my eldest fella, he's, uh, he's more academic. The younger guy, he's more hands on. I think he'd really, uh, take to the trades. But anyway, uh, so, um, you've got to spend time in it, no doubt about it, but, uh, you're more likely to spend 15 to 20 years before you can consider yourself an expert. And then after that, maybe another 10, 20 years before you're ma- you're real fucking master of what it is you've taken on. And, uh, that's not for you or me to bestow on ourselves. Um, that's for other people to suggest, you know? Anybody who calls themselves a master. Well, maybe they're not. I'd be wary of that tag, you know? But, uh, I firmly believe that, um, this looking for shortcuts, uh, is detrimental because it's like it's like um, a spoon of sugar when you really need a meal you know a good solid meal and take the time to eat the meal whereas you're just looking for a sugar rush you're looking to get there quick it doesn't last and you're left hungrier afterwards than you were at the start you know and that's the uh, that's the downside you might get some short term fulfillment but long term it's not it's not a it's not a runner And most of us are caught in that in that repetition, you know. It's like ba-dum, 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 ba-dum. You go for it and you fail. You go for it and you fail. You go for it and you fail. And every time you go for it, you're going for a short-term solution. When really what needs to be done is you just got to immerse yourself in the thing completely. And forget about the result. Forget about it. The more you immerse yourself in it, all of a sudden one day, pop. Someone says, Jesus, she's really good at that, isn't she? Hire her pair top drawer whatever she's in whatever she's looking for pair you know and uh, I really believe that that's required just forget about this idea of time forget about that you have to get somewhere from what it is you're doing forget about that the result needs to look like this because you just get caught in the trap and uh, it brings you nowhere you know the naive assumption is that you'll You'll be who you wanted to be, you know. That there's a there's a lack somewhere in you, uh, psychologically, or whatever. Well, it is psychological. It's all psychological. The whole game, the whole pursuit of success, whatever it happens to be, you know, pursuing glory and status and uh, material things. That stuff is fine, but all of that stuff has to come as a consequence of being an expert at what you do. When you're pursuing shortcuts, you never get there. When you're pursuing the idea of yourself, as soon as you get a few bob from the work you do, you'll buy something. You'll buy that thing that makes you feel more, you know. And then you'll be left with no money in the bank. And uh it does come, I believe, in, from this this notion of time, this idea that we're born uh, on a particular date. We live along this line and at some point in the future we'll die, you know. Um, that's not the case, you know, Uh, from taking a bit of time out, and just forgetting about all out of shit, and just having a look, at what's actually going on, for me, it seems that what's going on, is simply change, it's just change, it's just fluctuation, and we assign this notion of linear time to us, you know, science has spoken about, and continues to speak about as fundamental to the laws of physics, these, uh, the second law of thermodynamics, which basically says that, uh, everything falls into chaos from order to chaos. And that's naive. Really? Like, who am I? I'm not a scientist. Not yet. But, uh, science is totally rigid on this, you know, that, uh, stuff just falls apart and, um, somehow it's, deteriorating the whole world and that there isn't uh, uh, some kind of higher order to it but in reality what's happening is it's one big loop you know when trees die and people die and animals die we turn to dust we, we return back to base elements that become available for the growth and uh, development of new things you know people and animals and birds and trees and we all become dust again, ready for reassignment to whatever. Um, that these base elements of human beings and trees and stones and rocks and concrete uh all eventually will deteriorate, but they come back around on the other side and become mountains and trees again and people again, you know? When you when you eat your food, I mean eat an apple that grew on the tree, it it becomes a part of you. Those elements of the apple become the building blocks from our muscle and tissue and blood and whatever and then your skin uh cells die off and flake away and turn to dust and become available for other things so it's a continuous cycle and and uh we're just at least it seems to me to be in observation of it all and that's what's going on it's just we're in observation of this continuous cycle of change and uh Time is not a part of it. It's all happening right now. There's no tomorrow. You know that. Time doesn't exist. These things we call, we we look at history, you know, and we we map things out along a timeline. Uh, But really it's just a sequence, a a perception of a sequence of things. Uh, Things don't happen linearly. Things happen all together at once. And we, by virtue of our perception of it, decide that, this happened before that. When all of it's happening at one time. You know. I don't think you can deny that. The longer you consider it. The more apparent it becomes. And I think most of us in Western industrialised um Are totally aligned to this idea that. Um, aligned. Pardon the pun. That we live along this line. And that somehow the future will be better than what we have now. And that somehow there's a better version of us somewhere in the future. Or a better life. And we're striving towards it. And the quicker we can get there, well then the better life will be. But we never get there. we never It never arrives. So we perpetuate our anxiety and our stress by uh, believing that um, we can, you know. And it's ridiculous. When all there is is what's going on now, you know. That's, if you look at your experience, that's what it'll tell you. At least that's what it tells me. Hmm. So the belief in time, this notion of time is is at the base of this, you know, I think. Uh, and it comes from this idea that something's missing, you know, that we're not fully who we should be now. Something's lacking. Nature abhors a vacuum. It'll fill, you know. So, whatever's moving, will something else will move into its place and uh, that's what's going on. So that's all I've got to say on this for now. Um, Shortcuts are for, for mugs, for fools. And the more we look for shortcuts, the more lost we become. And it's the only answer is to accept that this is it. This is all we've got. This is all that's going on. There's nothing else, nothing better that we have to strive for that if we just chill out, get into it right now, become immersed in what it is we're doing, simply for the sake of it. This is what the Artist's Manifesto promotes. The making of the thing for the sake of it. Forget about the applause, forget about the recognition, make the fucking thing, and just deliver it then, show people, and see what happens. And as a result of that, you will, and I will, experience what the artist manifesto calls as purposeful accident. They're setting out on purpose. to make the thing simply for the sake of it and good things will happen. That's it. You don't have to make anything happen. You just do the fucking thing. Do it. Put your heart and soul into it and watch what happens. That doesn't mean that bad shit doesn't happen or bad shit won't happen. It will. But that's necessary. If you don't lift weights, you don't get strong. You know? If you don't have challenges, how will you ever become, how will you ever develop when you say become, because that implies that, like I said, that there's some better version of you or me in the future. So challenges are important. You get too soft otherwise. You know, you need stimulation in order to make it stronger. So that's it. Forget about the shortcuts. Get into what you're doing. Do it for the sake of it. and See what happens. That's my recommendation. And forget about the cheap and nasty headlines because they don't work. And the promises, because they don't work either. Get in it for the long haul. That's what a clever one does. So, thanks for listening to the Daily LARP podcast today. I've been Larry McGuire. I'll still be Larry McGuire after I'm gone. And uh, you can catch this show over on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Spreaker, Anchor, TuneIn, SoundCloud, even YouTube. I am the author of the Artist Manifesto. You can get the free version, the short form version, over on LarryGMaguire.com. Just hit the button on the main page, and uh, you can uh, enter your email, and I'll send it over to you. Um, the long form version is due out this month, end of the month, end of May, and uh, I'm looking forward to that paperback. And uh, that's it for now. So, um, if you want to find out more about what I do and some of my previous work. Go over to LarryGMcguire.com and I might see you there. Until tomorrow or the next day, I'll see you later. Take it easy.